the perception veil, the realm of the unexplained, the fear of the unknown, and the embrace of the unlikely. To those skeptical of the paranormal, everything can be explained rationally. In their world, the boundaries between the seen and unseen are very sharply defined. There is reality, and there is fantastical. Sometimes, though, the skeptic has to go to incredible lengths to deny what their own eyes have seen, their own ears have heard, their own body has felt. I grew up on a farm that was built in the 1950s in southwest Missouri. The nearest town was about five miles away and only had about a thousand people or so. Some people talk about being in a one-stoplight town. Uh, That town didn't have a stoplight. In fact, I don't remember there being a stoplight for about 20 miles or maybe more. Yeah, hard to say really as a kid distance and time seem a bit nebulous. I have an older sister and a younger brother. My mama always told me that I was a lively baby and a child with an active, or as she was more apt to say, an overactive imagination. When I got older, I believe I was five at this point, I told her I had a friend named Mary and she liked to wear an apron. My parents thought it was cute and thought I got the idea for my imaginary friend from a movie or something that I had seen on television. I knew Mary was different, but we still talked on occasion. From time to time, I would tell my mom and dad that Mary was here, and I would give them details about what she looked like, you know, the dress she was wearing, the apron. It was always the same dress, the same apron. And then one night when I was, I think, seven... I heard my mom screaming. Now, this was a scream that I had never heard before. I could tell she was frightened. I could hear the absolute terror. I ran into the living room. My dad was already there trying to comfort my mama. But I saw that she was just pointing to a corner of the room, asking my dad over and over again if he could see that little girl. took a long look in the direction she was pointing, scanned the room left and right, and then told her he didn't see anything or anybody. The strange thing, well, I suppose it wasn't really strange to me, but I could see that my mama was pointing at Mary, and my mama's face was a mask of fright. My parents both looked at me, and I said, It's okay, mama. It's only Mary. She's my friend. And we turned back toward the corner where Mary had been. She was gone. Now, we weren't big talkers in my family. Didn't talk about feelings much or weird things. So neither of my parents talked to me about Mary the next day or ever, really. Over the years... I saw less of Mary. I'm not sure if that night that my mama saw her did something to keep her away or not. But I would have dreams about loved ones, family members, and others who had passed away. The dreams became more and more common. 
I told my parents about the dreams, but didn't ask me many questions about it. They just seemed to pass them off as more of that overactive imagination. Occasionally, Mary would show up in a dream, but I hadn't seen her around the house when I was awake for a long while. Mostly, we just noticed things like lights turning on by themselves or doors opening and closing on their own. Could those things be explained by faulty wiring, wind, or a draft? Sure. But if you were there when it happened, you felt something in the room. Then one Christmas Eve, I want to say Christmas of 94, I had gone to bed with great anticipation. I had asked my parents for a Game Boy, and so I was really excited to see if it would show up under the tree the next morning. Like just about every child, uh, I had trouble sleeping that night, and, and then I heard whispering. I thought it was Santa Claus or an elf or something. So, of course, I wanted to catch them in the act and see if they'd brought my Game Boy, so I ran down from my room again. And there by the tree was Mary. She was just staring at a wrapped present. There was this look on her face, uh, sadness. I, I don't know. I, I, it was as if she knew that whatever was in that box, it was not for her and never would be for her. I rubbed my eyes and started to speak when, poof, she was gone again. I ran back to my room quickly, not wanting Santa to skip my house. And yeah, I did get my Game Boy the next morning. I think I still have that somewhere in a box in an attic somewhere. Anyway, I was never scared of Mary. I never felt like I was in danger. A little spooked? Yeah, like I knew that this was now more than what kids refer to as their imaginary friend. Mary was not a figment of my imagination. She manifested in different places in my house. I could see her. Sometimes she would move things. Let me see if I can remember a, a specific instance. Yeah, one I remember. I had this old Texas Instruments little professor. It's the one with the face on it and a yellow body. The old face guy was holding a book or something. I don't know, it was what I played with before I got my Game Boy. Anyway, I was playing around with it when Mama called us for dinner. I left the little handheld device on the desk in the living room so I could pick it back up after dinner. Well, after dinner, and after I helped with the dishes, I came back to the desk and my little professor was gone. I asked Mama if she had moved it. Nope. I asked my dad, and he said he hadn't been in that room at all. I remember distinctly now that my brother and sister weren't there that night. They were at my grandparents' house, I think. Uh, plus, my younger brother did not like math, so he never, ever touched that device. So I came back and I looked around the desk and on the floor and all around the furniture. Maybe it had fallen underneath something. Couldn't see it. Did I take it to my room? I didn't remember doing that, but I went to check anyway. I looked all around my room and still didn't find it. Well, after a few minutes of looking, I grabbed a comic book and took it with me to read since I couldn't remember where I'd put my little professor. I came back to the living room to read my comic and there in the middle of the floor was my calculator 
face down with the battery compartment open and the 9-volt battery pulled away from the compartment and lying about you know, 6 inches away from the device. First, there is no way that I would have missed this bright yellow thing in the middle of the floor. Second, to open the battery compartment, you had to use a, a coin or something to pry it open with. And do you remember how tough it could be to pull a 9-volt off the little harness? I found my mom and dad in the same places they had been five minutes before, and really neither one of them would have hidden my device, then opened it up and taken the battery out and placed it on the living room floor for me to find. That was not my parents at all. They were practical, no-nonsense, Midwest kind of people. They were not pranksters. When I was about 14 years old, uh, my parents were out for the evening and uh, I was at home with my sister and her friend. The three of us were watching television when my sister's friend suddenly sat straight up, looked out the window onto the porch and asked, who is that? I glanced over at the window and it's Mary. Now, we hadn't really told anybody outside our family about Mary, so I didn't say anything, and my sister didn't say anything. We just acted like you know, we didn't hear her. She said louder, Why is there a little girl outside your window? Who is that? Well, this was a bit odd. I had never seen Mary outside the house before. I walked over to the window, and Mary was there looking down and again, seemingly sad. I flicked the switch for an outside light and then said, I don't see anything, and cut the light off. Mary wasn't there after the light cut off, but the room turned very cold for about a minute. It was noticeable. It was wintertime, as I remember, so it was like somebody had opened up all the windows in the house and left them open for hours for that 60-second interval. My sister's friend was a little freaked out at this point, insisting that she had definitely seen a girl outside our house. And why did it get so cold so quickly? It was a very long night for her. I don't think my sister's friend slept much that night, and I don't remember her ever coming back for another visit. Another time, and this several years later when we actually had a computer in the house. I heard a clicking sound in another room and thought it was my mom typing something on the keyboard. I went into that room and could hear the keyboard keys being struck, but my mom was not there. And then all of a sudden the chair spun around and the clicking stopped. And this time I spoke out loud and said, it's okay, Mary, it's only me. Now that I was getting older, I was, I don't know, getting more spooked by these instances. So I just backed away out of the room. After I had gone, I once again heard the click-click of the computer keyboard. But really, it was more mischievous than anything else. Like, if I couldn't find something, I could honestly just ask and Mary would bring it back. And it was always in a place that I would have seen while looking for it. You know, the TV remote, uh, toys, books, you know, whatever. As we got older, the house filled with friends, and we started telling them about Mary. But 
She didn't make any appearances in front of them until this one night when my sister and her boyfriend came home from the movies. It was getting close to my sister's curfew and my parents were out on the front porch when they pulled up. The truck rolled to a stop. They both hopped out and then the boyfriend started to freak out. He backed away from the house, pointing at an upstairs window, asking why there was a little girl in an apron and a dress staring out the window at him. He said the eyes were like bright white circles. He kept backing away from the house in fear. We calmed him down and explained that it was just Mary, and then explained who Mary was. Well, as best as we could explain what and who Mary was. We could see that there was acceptance, but not really belief on his face. The thing is, at this point, my father also didn't believe the spirit of a little girl was living in his house. He had a healthy dose of denial. That changed a few weeks later when a close family friend of his came up to him in town and said, We need to talk. I have this friend who is a little on the quirky side, but swears he's a medium and can communicate with people who have died. Now, now wait a second, hear me out. I, I know this is a little strange, but let me tell you what he told me, okay? All right, so this friend of mine likes to drive around trying to pick up on things, you know, like a, a strange uh, vibe uh, or sensation or something. Well, he told me he drove by your place last week and stopped. He says he felt the presence of a little girl there. A little girl no longer of this world, if you know what I mean, and something is keeping her there. But he also sensed something else. He said it was a foreboding presence in addition to the little girl. My dad started to consider that maybe there was something to the stories. He figured if somebody he didn't know described the little girl that we had been talking about for years, well, maybe there was something going on. But this dark, foreboding presence was something new. We had not felt anything menacing. Now, I've said that I wasn't scared of Mary. Spooked, for sure, but I didn't fear her. But there was a place in the house that did give off bad vibes for me, and that was the staircase. As a kid, I had broken my ankle after falling down the stairs and just figured that I was scarred mentally from that fall. But the more that I recalled that incident, the more I began to remember that it felt like I was pushed from behind. I didn't trip. I didn't slip. It was more like a force pushed me on my shoulder and I flew forward. Then one night I had a dream. I was in high school at this point. In this very vivid dream, Mary told me to stay off the stairs. It had been a while since I had seen her, so I remember feeling how odd it felt for her to wind up in a dream. I woke up and peeked at the digital clock beside my bed. It was a little after 1 a.m. I was more intrigued than frightened, so I decided to go look at the stairs. I hopped out of bed and walked to the top of the staircase. What I saw 
was ominous. There was a black haze, just kind of hovering over the top of the stairs. And when I tried to scream for my mom or sister, nothing came out. I'm not sure how long I stood there, but it only felt like a few minutes. I would say no more than five minutes, no more. Eventually, I snapped out of it and went back to bed. I looked at the clock again to see how much time I had until I needed to get up for school. It was now five o'clock. Four hours had gone by, and I only had two hours left to sleep before I needed to get ready for school. Wait, that couldn't be. I was only out of bed for a few minutes. I told myself that I read the alarm clock wrong or something, or maybe I hit a button by accident moving the time forward, even though I didn't remember even reaching for it. I put my head on my pillow and tried to go back to sleep. But sure enough, two hours later, my alarm was wailing and I could tell others were getting ready for school and work. There had been nothing wrong with the clock. I never spent too much time on the steps after that night. I felt like I needed to run up and down them to get off them as fast as I could. There were other times when I felt that dark presence push on me, but I never had a fall again like I did when I was a kid. My little brother told me one day that he didn't like to come to my room, and when I asked why, he said that he felt like he needed to run away from the stairs. But here's the thing about that. I never told anyone about feeling pushed down the stairs, or the story of my dream, the warning from Mary, or what I saw when I got up to inspect the stairs that night, or the fact that I had lost four hours of time I could not account for. I didn't want people to think I was delusional or scare anybody. We were comfortable with Mary, but I figured we would not be comfortable with the black ominous haze that I had seen hovering above the steps that night. A few more years went by, and I went off to college. I was excited to get away from the unrestfulness of my house. My sophomore year, I lived off campus with some friends in an old house, we would have parties and get-togethers at our place because it was big and just had a lot of character to it. People always wondered if this place was haunted and would tell scary stories. I kept my mouth shut during all the scary stories. I just thought they were stupid because I knew what it felt like. And this stuff they were talking about was not anything like I experienced. And then the night terrors started. I would wake up screaming in the middle of the night for no reason at all. I was having more and more dreams about people who were no longer here with us. You know, dead. And then one night in a dream, a man who was close to our family when I was little told me that I needed to go home. Not only that I needed to go home, but to go home and pray. Sounds crazy, I know, but I did go home that weekend and I did pray a good bit, but I didn't know what or who to pray for until my grandfather got into a horrible accident. He lived, 
but he was hurt very badly. The doctors said he would eventually be okay, but still, I knew that was the reason that I had that foreboding feeling and that I had been visited by our family friend in my dream. I went back to college and things went back to normal for me, except for the occasional odd feeling of anxiety. But I still felt Mary's presence. And I still do, like she's my guardian angel or something. Let me leave you with this story that's a little bit different than everything else I've told you so far. I got a job a few years out of college that was in a metropolitan city several states away. I was a bit nervous to make the move, but knew it was what I needed to do. Anyway, the first weekend I'm there, I lost my wallet, or somebody took it. Either way, where I knew it to be, it was not there anymore. So now I'm thousands of miles from anyone I know. I have no driver's license, no credit or debit cards. The debit card was an easy enough fix, but the license was a different issue. In essence, to get a new one, I needed to go back to my home state. I couldn't fly home because, again, no ID, so I had to drive. And it was a 17-hour drive that I had to look forward to. I'm on the last leg of my trip home, and I needed to fuel up for the final push home. Now, the last leg of my trip, I stopped for gas, and I got this really weird feeling. I couldn't place it, but it was like nothing I ever felt. And then it happened. My replacement debit card would not work at the pump. I tried a different pump denied. I went inside to see if the cashier could get it to work. Nope. I was still a few hours away from home and I was on a tight deadline. I tossed the new card on the passenger seat and put my head on the steering wheel for a few seconds. I pulled my wallet out again to see if there was any money in it, anything. And I noticed a debit card. But not just any debit card, the one that I had lost or was stolen. But remember, this was a different wallet since mine had been lost. But sure enough, it was my old card. I tried it in the pump and I just knew it wouldn't work because I had canceled it. I had changed everything on it at the bank. It was supposed to be deactivated. But it worked. No explanation that I could think of other than Mary decided to return them and had fixed the problem. I have no idea if Mary is a spirit or an angel or what. I'm still not sure if she's even connected to the feeling or to the other things that happened to me outside of my parents' house. More importantly, I still don't know if she is why I get strange feelings and I get these dreams that I had and still have. It seems pretty unbelievable, but to me, I know they are completely real. My parents still live in the old house, and I go home with my family to visit every so often. The stairs in the home are still heavy. I haven't seen the black mist or fog again, but whenever I'm there, the presence of that dark entity, I still feel it.
that is not exactly the Hollywood ending we all wanted, huh? As a movie, that would have ended with the dark entity being vanquished back to the other side by a shaman or spiritualist. Or Mary would have sacrificed her spirit self in this realm to carry the evil back where it belongs. But we don't always get that neat, tidy, happy end to a story all the time. Life on this side of the perception veil can always have a few loose ends. Hey, this is Steve White, the host of The Perception Mail. Thanks for listening to this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed putting it together for you. Most of the stories that I will do here are ones that were submitted to me by people who actually had these experiences. If you have had a strange experience with the paranormal, or something happened to you or a loved one, that defies rational explanations, and you would like to share that experience with me, I'd love to hear about it. Maybe it will wind up in a future episode. You can tell me about your experience at theperceptionveil at gmail.com. Also, if you like what I'm doing here and would like to support the work, you can buy me a coffee. There's a link in the show notes. Thanks again. Your support is greatly appreciated. and. I will see you on the other side of the veil soon.